fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts Christiana Ellis, Chute Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. I can find the picture real fast on my phone. <laughs> Welcome everyone to season six of Beyond the Wall. Tonight we are wrapping up season six of Game of Thrones with no spoilers past the currently aired episodes. Of course, I'm Juju. Yeah. As always, I'm joined by Christiana Ellis. Hello. And Nookchus. Hello, everyone. Unfortunately, Viv was not able to join us for this wrap up, <clears throat> but she will be back next season. How are you guys doing? I am doing great, although I'm just a little bit stunned because the daily serial fiction story that I've been writing every single day since January 1st, I literally 15 minutes ago wrote the end. (laughs) So that's kind of not sunk in yet. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exciting and sad at the same time. I, I bet it's a lot like when you're reading a book and you finish a book and you're like, wow, I finished. Oh no, I finished. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I, I'm not sure that I, it, it's not that I would miss writing on it in a sad way as much as a, it certainly got into a routine and I'm sure that you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to fill that slot with something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> so we'll see, but I'm, I'm very happy with how it all came out, honestly. So, so when does everybody get to read the final installment tomorrow? Yep. It'll post tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Where can they find it? It's all at ChristianaEllis.com. <laughs> and Sweet. there, and so that it, final installment is number 237. So uh, oh. if you haven't been reading, there's 237 of them there waiting for you. Get cracking as soon as we <laughs> sign off. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, Nettie? Uh, I've been traveling a bit this summer, and um, I am currently uh, participating in the Dog Days of Podcasting, which is a bunch of podcasters get together, and they do daily podcasts for 30 days, and you can subscribe to it. Uh, through uh, one big feed at dogdaysofpodcasting.com or you can go to uh, each host's individual feed, mine's at nimlast.org. But um, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this year I picked a theme of dinner and a movie, so I'm doing spoiler-free reviews of mostly things you can find on Netflix, but not everything uh, is Netflix available. Uh, and then I pair it with a meal. Cool. And, nice. Uh, one episode is actually me cooking while I'm recording the episode, so you you hear me in the kitchen. It's it's kind of funny. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. It's um, a blast. Viv and I have also been doing a lot of traveling. We were recently out in California uh, to visit my son, visit family, and then she went to Austin. I came home, and then I accepted a job in New Mexico, and we just went house hunting last week <laughs> and saw... Gosh, 24 houses in three days. Oh, man. And That's going to be exhausting. Just got the contract today. So we're starting the process to to buy the house, and we will be moving next month. So Yay. craziness. 
Yay! Yeah. Crazy, crazy <laughs> I mean, well, I'm I'm assuming it's yay, right? I yes. mean, it's yeah. exciting it for sure, right? Uh, yay! They had never been to Albuquerque, and she just absolutely fell in love with it. And uh, I, I well, the much key she would. is make sure you turn left. Anytime <laughs> you don't take that left at Albuquerque, you'll right. regret it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> true. Um, Very true. And the other big. It's been thing, how many oh, years since you've been homeowner? Many. A while, right? Yeah. Like six years, <laughs> this is going to be weird for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other big thing is the independent short film that I've been working on, like for the last year, has been released for free viewing on YouTube. So people can see it at www.thirst.film. And we'll have, you know, it's embedded there. You can go to the link and put it on a TV or projector or something. Um, Thirst is a, a near future post apocalypse short. It's about 30 minutes long, and I'm insanely proud of it. James Durham, John Becker wrote it, James directed it and edited it and did so much more. And uh, I was lucky enough to do the uh, sound design, some sound design, all the onset audio, editing, Foley work, and it's just <clears throat> amazing to see it all come together now, you know, into a thing that exists. <laughs> Don't you it. also have a cameo? I yeah, yeah, yeah. I am I am in a I have a uh, a breakout scene. So to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Satisfying <laughs> projects all around. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good time. So yeah. um for this show, you know, this is our season wrap up for six. We are going to come back after uh, Viv and I move, and <laughs> we still have plans. We talked about it uh, at the end of the, the last episode, but I won't rehash it all. But, you know, we've got some one-off show ideas and plans, and so we are going to be sprinkling stuff out there. We've got, you know, like a year to wait for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, so we know that they intentionally are delaying for weather. Um, so some of the sets, they want to get them colder, I guess. So they're going to start shooting later than they normally would. And there was word that the whole Brexit may impact the show, but now it sounds like, uh, the European union or no, no, I guess Britain said that they aren't going to have their stuff together to really actually do it (laughs) for like another year. Yeah. So I think the show may wrap before that'll have any kind of impact, you know, and rights treaties this, I, and stuff. Not to totally sidetrack us, mm-hmm. but boy, with all the the uh, Brexit stuff, I certainly get a uh, Y2K vibe yeah. about that whole thing. Yeah. Which is not to say I I want to jump into whether it was a good idea or a bad idea, but boy, the way some people talk about it, you'd think it's the next apocalypse. And yeah. yeah Probably people will figure something out. People forget the orderly <laughs> transition part, <laughs> right? <laughs> Moving at the speed of government. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, if there's anyone we know who is a fan of rapid government changes, it would be Cersei. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, Chuch, would you say that uh, you guys are moving to Dorne? Uh, actually yeah we we were actually thinking about you know we have a habit of naming our homes Mm -hmm. it's got to be sunspear 
All and right. actually, it's it's going to be our water gardens. We've got this lovely patch Ooh. of grass in the backyard under this covered balcony and this view of the Sandia Mountains that's just breathtaking. So that's going to be our little water garden in Sunspear. <laughs> we have to install a water feature, I suppose. Mm. Or just run the sprinkler a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Need to uh, landscape your yard with native succulents. Mm. Yes. Which I really only say because it's fun to say. <laughs> succulents? Yeah, native succulents. Yeah. A couple of houses we saw did have uh, pear trees and apple trees and a few other ones. This one had um, actually in, in built-in gardening, so they actually had tomatoes ripening and stuff. <clears throat> but nice. digress. <laughs> so back to Game of Thrones. So this whole season... Um, was I think I probably used the term turbocharged every episode <laughs> pretty much. How <laughs> they kind of well, really seem to yeah. slam things into overdrive. It's interesting because um I, I wasn't able to uh rewatch the whole thing. I had planned to, but then just other other things conspired to compete for my time. So mm-hmm. um I did manage to rewatch the first four but and then just kind of skimmed recaps of the others just to remind me of all the different things that happened and while i agree 100% that in a lot of the plot lines it's just full steam ahead to the point where i remember early on in the season it was almost a little bit alarming how fast they were moving uh, certain things but i think it's also true now looking back at the whole arc of the season that there's a a couple of the storylines that they're really dragging their feet and stretching stuff out um, Aria in particular, because there was a whole, remember. I bet you that over the course of this last season, we have spent more than three hours only discussing the implications of things in Arya's story that ultimately didn't matter at all. Hmm. That's a made-up number, but you, you see what I mean. It's <laughs> right. just there were lots of things where we have to interpret. Oh, what did that ominous look she gave at the end of the episode where he said? <laughs> someone who is truly no one can drink this and live and then she drinks it and she kind of stares blankly does that mean she's really love and blah 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 and we go on and on it's like no didn't matter nobody cares <laughs> no. <laughs> but at the same time that that was happening there was a handful of these plot lines that like you said are just mm-hmm. pedal to the metal mm-hmm. I yep. um, had a let's see I created a little list to see some of our uh best moments so actually kind of topics and ask you what you thought uh the biggest surprise of the season was Mm. i and i i started thinking these questions and i started you know putting in some samples that i thought were huge and i found that hodor pretty much won the season (laughs) yeah pretty much every category i think i have him first or second Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think yeah. Um, I, I think that that's certainly the one that comes to mind first for me, um, because there was a, a couple of things that mm, you know, like maybe they would be more surprising if, if people hadn't read the books, or mm-hmm. um, uh, there was a couple of things where the surprise for me was actually that something was less exciting than I had kind of imagined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not something I would call the biggest surprise, right? But for sure, in terms of a moment that I didn't see coming at all and just blew me away, Hodor. I mean, mm. that's 
hold the door. That's that's got to be it. That's the one. Yeah. I think I think Hodor would be number one and a close second because uh, I think with Hodor uh, topping out all of these lists that you've made, Chuch, we're going to have to come up with seconds. Right. Uh, the close second would be the explosion of all government. <laughs> you know, I don't like you people, so I'm going to blow you all up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the wealthy, the poor, pretty much, yeah, all the important people mm-hmm. in one place. <laughs> uh, one I had on was Tom and Suicide. Mm. That mm. just, I mean, it's not, I guess, yeah. the I don't know it's the biggest surprise, but it was one of the things that I yeah. caught my breath, you know, moments. I, I, I think my second um, has to be one that it's not as flashy as like a shocking surprise, but certainly just in terms of something that I, I, I didn't fully see coming in either exactly the way it happened or, or the impact that it would have on me. But Brienne finally meeting up with Santa again and then swearing, you know, becoming mm. her, you know, sworn sword, I guess. I, I'm not sure if they have a title for right. what yeah. she is exactly. But uh, that was a moment that just really, really hit me hard. And I was just like, made me all, really almost happier than when uh, Sansa and John meet up again, yeah. which... Incidentally, just as a brief note on this, because I'll forget to say it if I don't come back to it. Sorry, Luna's chewing on something under the desk again. <laughs> um, I heard them say on a featurette about the John and Sansa reunion that they had never actually appeared on camera before, which doesn't sound right. But, I mean, first of all, if you think about the only times <laughs> that they would have been together in the same location even – is literally episode one of season right. one, and he was separated from the other kids most of the time. Yeah, and, and the only the only time that they were in the same room together, Sansa was up at the dais, and he was sitting with everybody in the crowd, and then left the the feast room. Mm-hmm. So they probably did not shoot those at the same time because they're different pieces of the set. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the shot where the whole family was lined up to receive uh, King Robert, um, he wasn't there because he was a bastard. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't he wasn't standing in the line with everybody. So it had never occurred to me that that would be true, but I believe it. Yeah. Yep. It's wild. Hmm. So that was nice too. That was a nice moment. But I that, like those. I don't know if I if they're as big a surprise necessarily as much as something that I was really happy to have happen that I didn't completely foresee. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that um, Brienne and Sansa and a lot of Brienne's tale uh, this season moved me. Mm. Like it mattered. I cared yeah. a lot about it. Brienne may be my favorite character. I think she's surpassed Arya for me um, in the sense that uh, it's not Arya's fault so much as the the, the, um, story's been riding the brakes for uh, Arya for a while. Mm. So uh, Brienne's had more to do recently. (laughs) Brienne has always been one of my favorite characters, Mm -hmm. so it's... She's always been like up there. She's like in the top five, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, another surprise. Well, okay. Under big surprises, uh, Danny at Face Dothrak was a big spectacle. And I did not see how she was going to get out of that whole thing. You know, I had said on the show, you know, I really don't know where this is going. And then 
Pazow. She takes over. That's, the that's a good one order. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, actually, I, I, yeah, I think I would place that at number two now that you remind me of it. <laughs> in terms of that, that's a better example of a big surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, because like Sansa and Brienne, we could have guessed that that might happen, even if we didn't know for sure, because they're in the same geographical location, and it seems like something Brienne would want to do, and it's just mm-hmm. a question of, well, will they meet up, or are they going to miss each other again? Um, but that, yeah, Danny at based Dothrak, that was kind of like, <gasps> I whoa, that blew me away. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> badass. Um, I think I had two more. Well, one, I don't know, was a very big spoiler. One I had was the kind of towards the very end, uh, Dorn, Highgarden, and Varys colluding. Mm, yeah. Because um, I kind of thought they had, you know, written Dorn off. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> and I think actually when we talked about that episode, I had joked that um, after the. Uh, the little bit that we got in the very first episode with the assassination of Prince Doran, that's like, and then Doran fell into the sea, and nobody ever <laughs> thought of it again. Yep. Mm-hmm. But nope, sure enough, came back in, <laughs> and uh, now we got uh, got Olena down there, plus Varys, and then Danny and Tyrion, and showing up. I mean. Stuff's gonna happen there. Yeah. <laughs> Although maybe everybody else will go ahead and move move on through Dorn. Right. And <laughs> it's like, mind if we park our ships here? <laughs> mind if we play, play through? <laughs> yeah. Um and the last one, which I don't know if it really counts as a surprise because it's kind of just an answer to a long mystery, is the White Walker origin. Oh uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so that was cool. That was a big one to finally mm-hmm. get get some answers after so long. So yeah. uh, John's parents didn't uh, make your list. No, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a surprise <laughs> at all. Yeah, that's that's the problem with that one is that uh, it, see, I'm frustrated with that reveal in the show, because on the one hand, I'm glad to finally have it out there and confirmed that. So Mm -hmm. that's exciting. But I just, I, they, after stretching it out for so long early in the season, literally showing us the first half of the scene and then saying, Nope, not till the end now. (laughs) And then we actually go up there and we have the scene and then they make half of her whispering inaudible. And I was just like, What the, what the bleep is that? It's like you, 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 they went back for the Hail Mary pass and fumbled the ball. And it just feels like, why would you make us wait and then still only give us half the answer? That was really frustrating. I was, I, I thought that was a huge mistake. And the only reason I can think of for them to do it is that they're trying to save some additional surprise. Huh. But I don't even know what that could be at this point. Yeah. Christiana's so flummoxed by this, she forgot she's allowed to swear on this podcast. <laughs> what um, the fuck? <laughs> so and then my, HBO my came out thing... and HBO came out and confirmed it afterwards with the infographic with the heritage and all the lines. Mm-hmm. The lines clearly were there. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stupid. My only issue with that is 
it better become in character knowledge for other people in the show. Because yeah. one of the things I cannot stand is when somebody has a flashback and the only people who got more information from this flashback are the viewers. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't actually impact the story. It's like, well, why did we have to know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So unless Bran is able to tell John or somebody that matters, mm-hmm. you know, this will be useful. But if Bran knows this and never meets up with anybody else ever again, and nobody ever finds out, and it's just the viewers that know, and then it's like, uh, why bother? Do, yeah, what's the point? Yeah, build tension because we'll know I, what hangs yeah. in the balance. <laughs> it, it'll it'll be like when they made us wait a whole season for the second half of a flashback and then had the actress mumble half of her critical revealing information line. Um I I agree with you 100% nutty. It 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 has to matter or else what's the point? They've yeah. they've spent too much time building it up for it to be a non-factor. And yet I feel like the show and the story at large has made such a big deal about Targaryen heritage that the reveal that he is half Targaryen can't not matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially since there's, you know, like the show hasn't gotten into it so much as, uh, as the books, but discussion of, you know, there, there are three dragons. So, you know, if we, if we think of, uh, okay, well, Daenerys rides one, who rides the other two? And that's not like, that's not a spoiler. That's mm-hmm. just speculation based on known yep. facts, right? So, um, you know, my best guesses at this point is uh, is Tyrion and Jon. Yeah. yeah. Um, although the show, the story does tend to zig when we expect it to zag sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, okay, so my thought process at the end of the season was if if the um, dragons react well to Tyrion, mm-hmm. perhaps that means that te- Tyrion is one of these secret Targaryens. And that, that has something to do with it. And then I said, and I, I think I said this on the show, was Tyrion ever burned? Because he was in the Battle of the Blackwater, mm-hmm. he was cut, he was mm. beat up, but he didn't have burns. So maybe that means he's a secret Targaryen. The only problem is, John's hand was burned. <laughs> now, not all Targaryens are resistant to fire. I mean, yeah. well, this is only half Targaryen. Yeah. So, whereas, um, you know, Daenerys is, what, full-blooded, right? That's why they do the whole mm-hmm. brother-to-sister marriage mm-hmm. thing, right? Oh, right. Who's her mom? Um... I don't know. I'm not sure if they've ever said it would have been one of Mad King Eris's wives, right? If he had more than one, I don't even know. I'm not sure they've uh, they've spent any story time on that. Yeah. But there, I know it in the books at least there was definitely discussion yeah. early on in book one of how if you know even though. Uh, like when Rhaegar went and married Elia Martell, that was kind of a thing because there was supposed to be this whole tra- tradition of, you know, you know, sibling marriage. So the idea of doing that for a political alliance and, and then also the idea of, well, you know, would Viserys and Daenerys have supposed to have been married? 
So there was discussion yeah. of that, so it was definitely a thing. Yeah, she had said that she always thought she'd marry Viserys. Mm-hmm. Rayla Targaryen. Yeah, Rayla Targaryen. It says that's her mom. Yeah. So, um, so in any with case. a name like that, that makes me think she was born Targaryen. Yeah. And well, she was the daughter of King Aegon the Fifth. Mm. So sister and wife. Yeah. Of so Aerys too. Could have could have been maybe a, like a cousin or something, if not, um, uh, if not direct sibling. <gasps> I need to re- read read uh, the Hedge Knight because she might have been in the he- first Hedge Knight book. Ah, I don't know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Something to look I'm, forward to. Yeah, uh, but it, is it could be. I wouldn't be a partial. bit surprised though if uh, part of the. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Oh, are we? We losing money, or you a little bit frozen, yeah. or lagging? There's a little bit of a delay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> what I was just going to say is, um, it may well be that in terms of the world building, the uh, detail of of um, the uh, incest among Targaryens might have been in order to preserve the magical elements of the bloodline, that sort of thing. But, you know, it's also true that uh, one of the things we've kind of gotten away from in the overall story is the idea that magic is coming back. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been like this for a while. And so that even Daenerys' ability to withstand burns isn't necessarily like uh, an obvious given thing. It is true of her and not because, you know, was not true of Viserys, who was her brother. Right. As evidenced by his golden crown. <laughs> How about um, best moments, which I think mm. may coincide somewhat with <clears throat> biggest surprises, <laughs> which yeah. top I had was Odor again, because that entire sequence was just mm. beautiful, painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it <was> yeah. <laughs> it was, it was That was definitely hard, but I'll agree that that one's up there. I'm not sure if I can pick one favorite. Um, Daenerys' uh, victory over the, the calls was pretty great. And uh, this this is maybe a little bit unfair, but yeah. I'm going to say not the show's version of the scene where Cersei blows up the, uh, the Sept of Baelor, but the internet re-edit of the scene with uh, Let It Go from Frozen. <laughs> I thought that that was just so great that I'm going to give that a best moment, even though technically right. it's not from the show itself. <laughs> nice moment. I think it's great. Did um, you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, really it's great. so great! If you guys, if you haven't, um, if you haven't seen that, just look up. Uh, I don't know, Game of Thrones, Frozen, Let It Go, or something. I bet it'll come right up. But it's just, <laughs> it's perfect. It's one of those little, little. Miniature internet triumphs. <laughs> um, things, oh, sorry, go ahead. One I had for best moment um, as maybe another cheat because it's a string of moments, but the the play they did in Bravos. Hmm. I know it turned a lot of people off. There was a lot of hate for it on the internet, but I I don't know. I I loved the whole thing. I loved watching the whole little I, kind of the interpretation of the personalities and the comedy and everything. Welcome back, Nutty. We're talking about best moments. Ah, excellent. Um, and uh, just, uh, yeah, so 
uh, Chooch was just talking about the 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 play within a show uh, for mm-hmm. Arya. I have mixed feelings about it because on the one hand I liked it, but I was frustrated by it because it was just another example of what I was talking about with Arya, which just felt like introducing stuff that didn't ultimately matter just to slow her story down. And that I found frustrating even as those individual scenes were. They were interesting in their own right, but I could just feel them... You know, I'm I'm imagining bicycle brakes now. I can just feel yeah. them squeezing the tires, slowing me down, and keeping the story from moving forward. Like even though there's interesting stuff happening yeah. there, I it it still slowed the momentum down. And ultimately, when we come down to it, didn't really matter. Yeah, and that's, other than that's the what was... actress being a target, it had nothing mm-hmm. to do with anything and no impact on anything. Other than I well, guess Arya's feelings. Yeah. Yeah, the her. the last the last play scene mattered to me. Mm-hmm. And everything else was like the theater people from Deadwood. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, and that's not a criticism either, right? I mean, that... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll agree in the sense that it did there was some nice nuance in Arya's emotional Arc. I wasn't as hard on that on her storyline as I know some people online have been, where they make it sound like, well, if she didn't actually finish her training there, then what's the point? And then it also feel kind of plays fast and loose with what the rules are of all that mm-hmm. stuff anyway, because she didn't mm-hmm. finish the training and yet seems able to do everything that they do anyway. See, Which and that's, is, that's if you believe that she hasn't completed her training, and you could make an argument, and I believe we have, that she did, and that the way she completed it mm. was the way she left. Right. Yeah. I, well, I still believe she is Batman. <laughs> and she got her yeah. training, and she, she, she's gotten training from various places, mm-hmm. and each of those skills ha- she's been able to build upon. I mean, she learned from Serial Pharrell. She, mm-hmm. she got her basics in fighting. She uh, worked in the kitchens at um, Heron Hall. And then she was a page, mm-hmm. um, or cupbearer, or whatever they called her, you know. And then she went with um, the hound, mm-hmm. and so each of these things were piling skills and skills, and they each build upon each other. And those skills were used in the House of Black and White. And I, I really think she's Batman. I yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I like how that all turned, and the idea there at the end, which is that kind of like the moment earlier in the season where Jacken shows up and he's saying, if a girl says her name, she'll he'll feed her tonight. She can sleep under a roof. He'll give her eyes back. And she, she doesn't, like, I heard some people criticize it as, like, the easiest, most obvious test ever, and I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, it's not about not, it's not like, oh, it's a dumb test because she was able to tell that was what it was. It was kind of like the whole, um, the Gomjabar from Dune. <laughs> or the, the idea is like, okay, anyone who's not familiar with it, it's something at the very beginning of Dune where it's basically just sort of a, a test of, I guess, how evolved you are. I think that's how they put it. But basically, they just put your hand in a box that just, 
essentially causes nerve pain to make it feel like your hand is just literally on fire and burning the flesh off your bones. But you know in your mind, like you know rationally, it's, it's all an illusion. The pain is not real. And if you can just hold out, your hand will be fine. But you have to endure the pain in the meantime. Whereas if you pull your hand out too soon, that's an indication that you are not able to rise above pure sensation and they will actually poison you to death. So it is a test of, of can you reason your way through pain? Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what's going on here with her is that he is tempting her with the easier path and she's choosing the harder path on purpose. But that choice only means something if she has the option. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like uh, to bring up other uh, influences, uh, Spike from Buffy, he wouldn't have passed. You know, <laughs> he would have. He would have said, "Yeah, feed me. I'm Spike." You know, and and uh, even knowing that that was a test, you know, he has a very low pain tolerance and, and a hunger tolerance, so yeah. he wouldn't be able to pass that test. And it's very all well and good for us to say, "Oh, yeah," but she knew it was a test, so it was easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you're actually hungry, and I mean hungry, not Oh, I haven't eaten all day, but hungry? Mm-hmm. That's a difficult thing to to pass. It's yeah. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. And and so the idea that I I kind of like your what you were saying in terms of like did she maybe she really did finish her training? Mm-hmm. I'll still criticize the show for playing a little fast and loose with the rules for how all that stuff works. Yeah. And what's real magic and what's not and like again, I'll Criticize, like, call out the midpoint uh, cliffhanger, where it's like, if a girl is truly no one, she can drink this and live. Otherwise, it will kill her. And then she drinks it and she's fine. And we're all like, oh, what does that mean? And it turns out it means nothing. Mm-hmm. And yep. that. So I, the show did pull a couple of those, which are annoying. But I did like that the ultimate resolution was when she fled to Bravos, it was because she felt she had nothing left for her. In Westeros, she was saying, I want to forget all about Arya Stark because she was just this poor, helpless little girl who lost everyone she loved, and there's nothing for her. So instead of being her, I'm going to be this badass assassin like Jacken was. And so her journey in Bravos was learning, first learning skills, but also learning, no, she does want to go back. She does want to be Arya Stark. And she could only make that choice if she's presented with an actual alternate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I did like that. But again, just the overall criticism is just that there was a lot of stuff in that storyline that felt like they were deliberately slowing it down, yeah. which was frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, one of the, the harder things for this show, and, and and it's the case for all the seasons, but it's the pacing. Because they have the restraints of the fact that this is a show, we don't want our actors to age too much. We also don't want our actors not to be in each season because we could lose them mm-hmm. or people could stop caring about them or whatever. You know, the rules of TV, You, if you have a leading character, you don't get rid of them because you're not going to be able to, you may not always be able to get them back. So there's a lot of pacing problems that they have to deal with. And mm-hmm. so they've sped things up, they've slowed things down, and 
you know, I mean, for everybody that complains about Danny's story taking too long, you should have read the books. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It really takes a long time. Um, but those are the things that I have to hand wave because mm-hmm. and remind myself that, you know, like for instance, uh, uh, Varys showing up in, in, uh, Sunspear and yeah. then suddenly he's in on the ships. It's like, okay, these took place at different times. They just didn't explain it. Yeah, like travel time has has been magic yeah. the whole for the whole series. That's not a new issue. Uh so, you know <laughs> same with uh you know, we've we've long since uh stopped noticing how weird the whole Raven network is. Yeah. Yep. Um <laughs> Westeros Twitter. Yeah. Um But uh yeah, so uh, like obviously there's dramatic license and things that we just have to take as suspension of disbelief. But, uh, you know, I think it is still like there were just there. It's still fair to call out that there are a number of things over the course of this season that seemed important, but looking back with hindsight, we know, okay, well, ultimately that was just kind of toying with us because it wasn't really going to matter at all. Yeah. Um, and so that's like I I feel like this season was really exciting in a lot of ways, but it did have some stumbles in that respect. Well, and it's kind of like, oh, well, what is Marjorie going to do? Is Marjorie really convinced or not convinced or what's going yeah. on? Marjorie's, Marjorie's blown up, which yeah. makes me wonder. Maybe that does actually happen in the books because I was thinking, well, I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen in the books, but maybe it does, and that's why Marjorie was never a point of view character, mm. <laughs> which I always thought she should be, and I love yeah. that the show gave us Marjorie's point of view. Yeah, so. no, I I loved Marjorie, and that's yeah. I think my I think my biggest heartbreak of the season in terms of not just something that's sad like with Hodor, say, yeah. but mm. a feeling of a missed opportunity or just something that I, I kind of wish something else had happened mm-hmm. is just that I wish Marjorie had had more to do. I just feel like we, we lost such an interesting character without her having been really able to do everything she could because like when I was rewatching some of it and reading the recaps, like everything involving her, was the stuff that I just felt like I had no patience for in the rewatch because I know it didn't yeah, matter. It, didn't matter. <laughs> it was all just a way to force Cersei's hand. And yeah. so it really didn't have anything like, so all of our discussions of, oh, is Marjorie really converted or does she just have a secret plan or is she just manipulating the High Sparrow or what is she really trying to do? And the answer is it doesn't matter because she gets blown up. And, and so Loras had to get a yeah. thing carved in his head and had to go through the humiliation and everything he went through just to get blown up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, like the whole, the, the, the fact of that plot development of the sept getting blown up and everything that, you know, all the fallout um, <laughs> of that, um, like that stuff is very exciting and interesting as a story uh, direction. Um, and it's really only, Marjorie is the one person who is there in that sept that I just feel like just there was more she could have done. And it's just sad that uh, she kind of has to go out like a chump, you know, even even figuring it out right at the end. It's just 
Ugh. Oh, well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, another best moment for me, or well, not best moment, another multiple moments, I will call like a breakout character has to be yeah. Leanna Mormont. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. scene she was in. <laughs> she was just amazing. Yeah. That was, she just became a phenomena too. And mm-hmm. I just like, I just can't help but wonder. I can imagine, you know, behind the scenes of them kind of uh, thinking, well, hey, wouldn't it be cool to have this uh, little girl be kind of a, like a tough customer when they have to go and ask for men? And so they decide to cast, but then they find this actress and they're just like, <laughs> She's so great. Let's find ways to put her in more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and and like I I believe that her speech rallying everybody at the end um to support John would not have been in the season if they hadn't found such an awesome actress. Yeah. I think they would have that would have gone some other way if they hadn't um cast uh her because she just like it's not a given that an actress of her age is going to be able to able to deliver on a speech like that but holy crap she did <laughs> absolutely we go from uh, best moments to lamest moments which had one tie-in um for me <laughs> one of the lamest moments and i think i know what the absolute lamest has to be for the book readers but uh that the faceless men are just assassins that was just a whole letdown for me and like you said clearly there is some kind of magical thing happening because when they show like face 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 like you know, that was a magical thing. Well, having mm-hmm. her go blind and then giving her sight back, you know. Um, but, I mean, when they give the background and then the way they let her go, I guess that's kind of part of my discussion on whether she was fully trained or not. You know, and, and part of me thinks, oh, well, she got all the training she needed. So mm-hmm. in that sense, her training is complete. Um, but also when he kind of reveals that the whole thing is just basically a sham and they're just an assassin's guild <laughs> to me that mm-hmm. just kind of completed it tricks I yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't have that reaction exactly just because i i suppose i didn't really ever imagine them as more than that like i imagined them as magical and mysterious assassins and that's kind of what i always saw their mm-hmm. their little club as and it's kind of like they had sort of a this side business, uh, complimentary, uh, you know, add-ons with this whole the house of black and white element Mm -hmm. where, like, that's like a separate service that dovetails with the other stuff they do. Um, But I guess I I didn't necessarily have the same expectation that it sounds like you did. Yeah, I was expecting the the many-faced God and the rules of the many-faced God, Mm -hmm. why this life matters and that life and you take a life and all of that. And all that is is just his bullshit. That's yeah. their creed or something, but it really all comes down to they're just getting paid to kill people. So it's mm-hmm. just, it's bullshit. <laughs> well, yeah, that like that does. I, yeah, I tend to agree. It's weird. I think that honestly, out of all the different religions presented um, in the saga, the Lord of light is really the only one we've seen do obvious, unambiguous miracles and even that, you could maybe say, well, is is it maybe sorcery rather than miracles? Right. But certainly the people who are doing it seem to be true believers. Like, I don't think 
anyone believes that Melisandre doesn't believe what she's saying, mm-hmm. right? So, so the Lord of Light really seems to be not necessarily the only source of magic, but the only the only element where it seems clear that there's something actually happening there, and it's not just made up. Mm-hmm. Or can can either of you think of examples of, to the contrary? Uh-uh. Warging? Yeah, yeah, that's true. The old gods uh, with the Everything you know like the grand. weirwood trees. Yeah, that's yeah. so that's yeah. that's definitely true. Uh, you're yeah. 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 There's a an excellent example to prove my whole point. <laughs> yeah, I think point. I think that yeah. the older religions. Uh, I don't know how old uh, the red god is, but I feel that uh, if the red god religion is new, it's just a new face on something that was uh, celebrated before. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the uh, seven gods is a new idea. Uh, essentially, comparatively, and that the older things are based on truths and that the seven gods were created so that they could control people better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because religion has always been used to control people. Mm-hmm. And I say this as somebody who believes in higher power and all of that. There is a difference between faith and religion. And so I'm just going to say that right now so nobody gets mad at me. But it's true. <laughs> there's a big mm-hmm. difference between faith and religion. And faith, that has to do with spirituality, all of those other things. But religion very often is used to control people. And to me, that's what the seven gods always felt like. Mm. It always felt like a way to control people. And then we see the high sparrows and suddenly all the people that have been using this religion to control people are suddenly getting controlled by it. And it's kind of like a karmic vengeance. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think maybe the older religions uh, are based on something. Yeah. I think that what we're seeing, like anybody that follows them, they don't quite have it right. Mm. They don't know what's going on, but there's definitely something there. Yeah. Well, like the I think the Lord of Light is a perfect example of that in the sense that there's there's definitely something there. Mm-hmm. But even the most devoted um true believer zealots of the faith get stuff wrong all the time. Yeah. So it's you know, <laughs> it's uh whether it's really true that the Lord of Light wills everything to happen, um, even if that is true, then obviously sometimes he wills his own followers to screw up mm-hmm. their interpretation of what he wants. Well, um, it's just a magical ability, and they've built up a religion around it to try to explain it. And well, it's really see, just that's random true. happenstance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could uh, that could be an element too. Um, I want to jump back just really quick because um, I know we were we were trying we we're trying to get onto lamest moments, but uh, um, just as another good moment, um, uh, the final fate of Ramsey I thought was pretty satisfying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I, I have a death like, category. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so I'll I'll leave it then for now. And uh, so lamest moments, um, I think. Or biggest the lamest moment, right? biggest disappointment for me, I think, had to be 
just the total lack of a payoff to any of our conspiracy theory speculations about Arya and maybe the waif is just like Arya is Tyler Durden and she's not even real or maybe Arya is Jacken or maybe the Arya we saw the waif stab was actually Jacken in disguise and we went on and on and on and just it's like nope it was just actually Arya she just really was that dumb and let herself get stabbed that's <laughs> it I'm going to make a personal rule for next year uh, I will not spend more than five minutes discussing any theory <laughs> because if I do, it's not going to mean anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I've already been focusing way too much on secret Targaryens. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's a conspiracy that originates from the books, so yeah. I think that one's fair game. Show invented cliffhangers is right. a different thing, I think. Yeah. Did you have a, a lame moment or big letdown, Eddie? Um, the biggest thing I'm I sure thought I did. book readers Go would ahead. have would be Kingsmoot, which meant nothing yeah. to me, but I thought that would be your guys' biggest you letdown. Know, <laughs> my biggest letdown, and this is this is for the series as a whole, has been and always will be the way that they handle Dorne and the way that they handle Pike. Yeah. Um, and and that to me will always be a letdown. Uh, and and the Kingsmoot, I was looking forward to it. But, I don't know, I just, by that point, I I really didn't care as much, you know, Mm -hmm. and none of the characters grabbed me, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. if if they had somebody that I cared about when they showed up on the scene, that might be something. I mean, like, heck, I cared more about the, the Septon, played by Ian McShane, in one episode than anybody that showed up for the King's Moot. Yeah, because right. they got a very charismatic actor, and it's not just because I fell in love with Deadwood this season. Um, it it has a lot to do with the fact that they got a character, a, a person who can play a character and draw you in. He is charismatic. Had they done that, had they got us somebody who can emote and and pull you in, I would have cared. Mm-hmm. They fully convinced me of just how miserable Pike is, and how miserable yeah. the people are. Well, really and that's did. the it thing. Really it's not in. supposed to be that way. Well, yeah. well, it is in the show because that's how they're writing it. But yeah. it's you know, so that's my disappointment. Okay. Right. But yeah. Like I'll I'll agree there in the sense that like I don't I didn't necessarily feel let down or disappointed by the king's moot as depicted in the show just because if it had been the way it was in the books, it would have been two seasons ago. Right. And Arya would have or a Yara slash Asha. <laughs> would have been a completely different type of character. Um, She's so humorless in the show compared to the books, which isn't to say I dislike her necessarily in the show. I like her okay, but she is way more charming in the uh, books for sure. Um, And uh, it's, and the whole, the whole thing just has more scope in the books. But as I said, it's like, it was also like two seasons ago. Like, instead of Balon being the last of the three leech prophecy kings to to die in the show by a wide margin, by like Mm -hmm. a two-season gap, he was the first in the books. Mm -hmm. And this whole Kingsmoot story (laughs) was shifted back that far. Wow. Um, So before Rob, before Joffrey. (laughs) So it's like, that's how far back it happened then. And so, like... I honestly, when I 
saw that they were even going to do it. It's it's a little bit like Jamie and Brienne at River Run, and the Kingsmoot were both kind of weird surprises that they were doing them at all because I sh- I thought that the show had just moved those characters past that point already, mm-hmm. only to have them circle back around and do it. Yeah. So given that I had given up that they were going to do it at all, I didn't have huge expectations for it. Yep. A minor lame moment for me was uh, uh, Blackfish suicide. Mm, yeah, I guess off in screen. a way, it's you know it's honorable or, or something because he's making off screen is bogus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. Off-screen can work if you're able to write it well. There are some shows where things happen off-screen all the time, mm-hmm. and it's impactful because of the way that it's written, but this is not that show. Yeah. This is a show that likes to put spectacle in your face. So off-screen. I, I wonder if this might be a case. We'll have to wait for the commentaries or something like that. This, I wonder if this was one of those where... Yeah, we shot a fight scene and it just didn't look good. Uh, so we went in for a reshoot and said, "Yep, sorry, he's dead already." Well, darn. And it's not even that for me. It's it's just the whole he knew it was suicide and he just went in anyways. There was no reason for it. That's Yeah, uh, I agree. Was a late yeah, moment. It, if it helps any, it's off-screen in the books as well. Hmm. So, and it, for, to me, because it was off screen in the books, I was like, oh, but maybe he's really alive. But everyone says <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> See, I'm, yeah, I guess I hadn't, maybe I'm just misremembering because it's been a while since I've read the equivalent book chapters, but I guess I didn't even really remember this happening. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> but, um, I mean, elements of this happened, obviously, Jamie and River Run and all that bit. But that's it's a whole different scenario there because we've got um, Lady Stoneheart in the mix. Mm. Gotcha. Which I will go ahead and just leave that alone. Because yeah. <laughs> I swear, though, knows? I will be pissed if the show tries to bring her in at this point. I, she needs to just not be in the show. That will be fine with me if they try to bring her in at this point. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That's my... my <laughs> recommendation to uh, Benny Offenweiss. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to bring her in or not. If they do, it will have to be done very well. Uh, I feel like they've kind of went way too far to do it now. Hmm. But we'll see. We're, we'll, who knows? I, I, I reserve judgment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my final letdown was that I never get to hear the end of the jackass and honey joke. <laughs> <laughs> Can I put um, a regret that we didn't get more of Pod and Brawn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about uh, who? What was the biggest betrayal? Do you mean like a story betrayal or something we felt betrayed by? Oh, so I meant I meant like what characters did to each other, like who was oh. the biggest betrayer. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. go either way. <laughs> I was trying to think because there were only really a couple. The first one that jumped to my mind was Euron and Balon because hey, they're brothers. Mm. Um, eh. They kind but, of have always hated each other, though. That's yeah. why Euron was away for so long. There you go. I I think um, on the top of many fans' lists is. Uh, 
Sansa to John. Yeah. yeah, especially not everybody given, agrees it's a betrayal, but right. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, anyone you know who's watching may recall that I was taking a, I was the Sansa apologist with that whole <laughs> right. little incident. Um, but uh, that said, I will say the res. Uh, although I am more willing to forgive the decision that she made, the whole. Oh well, I guess we've both made mistakes. Let's move on. Was kind of a weak resolution <laughs> yeah. to that plot point. Um, especially, although what I will also say is, if John hadn't run in early, the yes. Knights of the Vale would have showed up in time. And there you go. But we don't have to have that whole argument, right? I yeah. think uh, we I think for sure. Cersei definitely betrayed Tommen by killing Marjorie. I feel that Tommen mm, betrayed yeah. Cersei by going back on what his plans with her were. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think Marjorie even betrayed uh, Loras a bit by uh, going along with the Sparrow. Um. Hmm. I think she did it for the right reasons, you know. Again, yeah. uh, everybody everybody's the hero of their own tale, right? Yeah. So everybody thinks they're doing it for the right reasons. Well, that's what was, was uh, double crossed, right? But Sparrow, yeah, but. yeah, that was what was ultimately so frustrating about I think Marjorie's arc in this season is that they played coy with us, maybe to just keep up the suspense so that we wouldn't see it coming. Mm. They played coy with us like they like she had these hidden motives or did she or is she really converted or is she not? And I just honestly like this. That's what I had zero patience for coming, you know, trying to rewatch the, for a second time. I was just like, none of this matters. And given what ultimately happened, I really think that the show ha- should have just gone much more straightforward with what is she thinking what is she trying to do? What is her plan? And either it will work or, she, or it won't. But I really kind of resent the show playing coy with us mm-hmm. like that, especially given that there wasn't going to be any actual resolution to what her actual plan was. Can can we get a special commentary track for the Blu-rays where it's um, Natalie Dormer uh, speaking her thoughts so that when you're rewatching, you know, it's like, Watch for the first time, rewatch. And then when you yeah. rewatch, you get all that extra information. That would be cool. Yes. Yeah. So I I will, like, I, so for that reason, like, when, when you mentioned her maybe kind of betraying Loras by sort of giving him up, like, I think in hindsight, what we have to conclude is that everything she was doing all along was just basically out of desperation, mm-hmm. was... I am in a really bad situation here and I've just got to do anything I can think of that will improve it even a little bit. And if that means playing along with the good religious girl, then that's what I'll do. And I'm going to try to save my brother as much as I can. But if it's looking increasingly like there's nothing I can do, then I'm just going to at least try to get him out of prison where he's going to die. And so I, I think in hindsight, that's what's going on. But it would have really been... I don't think it would have been hard for the show to tip its hand uh, about that much sooner, and I wish that it had. Yep. Um, betrayals, though, obviously, I I think Cersei's betrayals is the big one because, I mean, yeah. obviously she was mostly killing her enemies, but 
doing it supposedly kind of in the interest of Tommen, but was it really? She killed Tommen. Yeah. Like, she didn't mean to, <laughs> but she killed Tommen. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's a betrayal. Yeah. Another big one I had was, I guess, a, a betrayal confirmed, because it would have been last season, but uh, Baelish sending Sansa to Ramsay. And, mm. um, yeah. You see, that one, that one still feels complicated to me, too, because... Mm. It, it, but see, what's frustrating, though, is that that one feels complicated not in a way of, ooh, this story is so complex and intricate, I wonder what the hidden motives are. It feels complex in a way of, they had to rework the story because it wasn't even Sansa taking the place of this role in the <laughs> books and she's in a different location and different things are happening. So they had to come up with a way for her to have to be in Ramsey's clutches. And so ultimately Littlefinger's plan does not make sense. Yeah. Even from his perspective and his motivations. And so that's a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sure, whether he knew better or not, he should have known better and gave her to Ramsay anyway. So for sure, I would agree. That's a huge betrayal. I like what Sansa had said to him. It's, you know, either you knew what he was like and what he would do, and in that case, you're a monster. Or you didn't know, and in that case, you're stupid and absolutely <laughs> useless to me. Yeah. It was, something like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was something like, you're either a fool or you're my enemy. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and and um, I thought that that was incredibly poignant. Mm-hmm. Although I do think, since we are speaking about betrayal, we leave the season with the idea that will there be betrayal between Sansa and John in the future? Yeah, that was another one where that we got a lot of really ambiguous looks exchanged in their last scenes. Um, you know, with uh, everybody cheering for John right after he had basically said, "No, you should rule. I'm fine with that." Yep. Um, and then everybody's cheering for John, and we had just had the whole thing with uh, Sansa and Littlefinger, and so lots of people exchanging fraught looks with each other, but without any real context to tell us. Like, so when I heard so Sansa's look to Littlefinger in that scene. I've heard as many people interpret it that she was saying, oh my gosh, he was right, as, and then half, the other half of people saying, ha ha, see, look, he's, you know, he's going to be ruler and you're going to have to do what we say. <laughs> I, I've heard people take yeah. evenly split on like, well, what does her look even mean? And while that's interesting dramatically from one perspective, I, I, I don't, like leaving characters' motivations uncertain that way. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's one thing for their motives to be complicated, but I don't like them to just be deliberately obscured and ambiguous. Yeah. Where they could be complete opposites of each other. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if I'm not exactly sure what you're thinking. It's a completely other thing if is if I don't know if you're on side A or side B. When mm-hmm. side A and side B are diametrically opposed. Because you'd think that the characters would be portrayed well enough that I would be Mm -hmm. able to know my characters. And if I don't know my characters, then it's just sloppy writing. Right. Um, I I hope that they really press upon the bond of siblings Mm -hmm. and that while they'll make mistakes along the way, in the end, they will remain siblings and they won't tear themselves apart. 
because mm-hmm. as we've watched, so we've got two really big families that we watch, and there's a couple other families, and we see a lot of really strong sibling connections. You know, you've got Marjorie and Loris, Loris you've got Mira and Jojen, you've got all of these different ones. And then we've got these two big houses. We've got the Starks and the Lannisters. And the Lannisters are all together and happy and willing to do anything for each other in the beginning. Now, granted, there was always tension between Cersei and Tyrion, but they were your family, and they, they you know. Mm-hmm. And as the series has, has gone on, they've all been pulled apart to the point that they no longer will stick their neck out for each other. Nobody's sticking their neck out for anyone at this point. Right. Maybe Jamie. Maybe. And mm-hmm. even then, I think he's only going to do it for Cersei. I don't think he cares about Tyrion anymore. There is, there is another thing. really ambiguous look there at the end, yeah. too. The look that he gives her when she's on the throne and the look that she gives him back. Because, again, it was like I feel like the director told them, do a neutral face so we can't tell what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, um, And then you've got the Starks who physically have all been separated but you 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 hope that there's still that bonding connection and my hope is that they are going to be the opposite of the Lannisters the other side of the coin that even though they're physically apart they still have that familial bonding connection whereas the Lannisters were physically together or close enough and they tore themselves apart yeah it's inter- it's an interesting question though because obviously we we see seeds planted for tension between John and Sansa. We also see that Arya although she comes back and decides she wants to be Arya Stark again, does she show up and announce herself to family? No, she goes on her, you know, initiates her grand murder tour Westeros 2016. And uh so not that I necessarily disapprove but at the same time, like as far as she knows, John is still, you know, did she ever hear that he was Lord Commander? I don't know if she ever knew that, but she would have known at least that he was up there, could have gone in and checked on him, right? Um, yeah. Like she could have looked for Sansa, um, uh, especially given that she knows at least that Sansa was around doing something w- during her brief encounter with Brienne, right? Didn't Brienne say that she had seen Sansa? Yes, she did. Yeah. Um, so like, th- she could have looked for family instead of going straight back to her list, but so her priorities are not necessarily... A well, no, wait, wait, sorry. Yet. So, uh, Brienne tells Sansa that she's seen Arya. She doesn't tell Arya that she's. Oh, seen Oh, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm misremembering the sequence because Arya's been in Bravos for two whole yeah. seasons now, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, um, she doesn't know what's up with Sansa right now. Well, but all the more though that she has no yeah. idea, and she saw the play that indicated, oh, she got married to Tyrion and is that okay and what happened and to, but she doesn't even seem to look for her. Yeah, she she would know what the public knows which is Sansa is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, maybe I'm, implicated in Joffrey's death which I think Arya would be interested in. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if she knows that Jon was killed 
or not. I think, but it's hard to say because of book versus show. I don't think anyone that John hasn't told would know that. Like, the people up at Castle Black might know because they saw him dead. But my guess is he is not spreading it around to everybody. It might pass like gossip, but it would be a rumor at most. Mm. And most people, I can only imagine, would say, that seems unlikely. Maybe he was just unconscious for a while and then got up. It'd be interesting. Well, I because I don't know that she ever knew he was Lord Commander, even much less. That well, he was that's young. the thing. I think in the books she d- definitely did. I don't know if she would have in the show. How how would she have though? Uh, because she runs into Men of the Night's Watch. Yeah, she, she, but she would they have throws a drunk guy in the water too? But would they have known by that? Point. Uh, at that point, yes, because they left on order of Lord. Oh, Commander. you're right. You're right. Because that was Sam was one of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because that's that's where Sam's. Okay. We're so we're way off in the weeds now. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's all right. So, but my my point was just that when Arya returns to Westeros, she does not go looking for her family. She goes to her list right. first, mm. which means reunion is not foremost on her mind. Yeah. Well, I I think so far as she knows, the only person to reunite with is John, and I'm pretty sure she knows that if she went to get John at the wall, he'd try to talk her out of her list. Well, oh, yeah. but that's that that's my whole point though yeah. is that it's priorities. Yeah. She she is prioritizing her list over her family. Yes. And so when we we're talking that we got into the discussion because the question was of the two big families, the Lannisters and the Starks, the Starks are the ones that might actually pull back together. But what I was just saying is Arya seems less interested in that than she is in pursuing her own vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I believe in my heart of hearts though, that eventually she'll get there. Um, Hmm. Unfortunately, that's not the case for Rickon. No, (laughs) no. Uh, Honestly, I, I have to, you know, maybe people will uh, want to cluck their tongues at me, but I just did not, could not even feel a little bit sad about Rickon. I, yeah. I just, like, he, he was doomed from the time we saw him show up again. Uh, yeah. And so it's like, uh, as soon as they pulled that sack off of his head and it was Rickon, or even before that, because they pulled it off of Asha's head first, right? Yeah. yeah. Asha's head first. And, uh, and then when I was, I was like, more upset oh, about that. Yeah, well, like, cause she, like, she felt like she maybe could have been a survivor, but Rickon was doomed. I, like, I, I, the only reason, from a story storytelling perspective, the only reason to reintroduce Rickon at this point is to kill him. There's yeah. no, there's no other good story reason to bring him back yeah. at this point. Because he well, was really, he was always just the kid character anyway. It was really right. never much of a character as as an older person, and so it, you would have to establish who is he. Mm-hmm. We have to, we'd have to say we haven't seen him in three seasons. So what? Yeah. What's his deal? We don't even know what he's like anymore. Where has he been? Who cares? Like so, the, the you bring him back in so that you can kill him. That's the only reason. <laughs> and so I was not even really a little bit sad when it happened. No. Um. I was honestly a little bit annoyed at again, like the it, the the whole game playing aspect of his death. And I don't mean Ramsey's game; I mean the showrunner's game with yeah. us. Of like, is he going to be okay or is he not? Oh, looks like he is. No, fake out. 
Like I, I don't care for that. That's not my favorite <laughs> kind of thing. I, I, I dreaded when Shaggy Dog was dead. Yeah. I knew Rickon was in for it when his protector Osha was gone. Because yeah. to me, if Osha had survived, there might have been a chance. Mm-hmm. But I did not go because Rickon is not his own character. Yeah. yeah. I honestly I thought it was going to be worse for Rickon. I thought they were going to yeah. write it up and he was going to be uh flayed on one of those crosses they wrote up. Yeah, That's what I too. thought was going to happen. I thought I thought he was going to definitely I was afraid of more uh gore porn and torture porn. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that we didn't get that much. Um yeah. it was still like you knew that it was a trick and you knew what was happening and you're telling John, "No, don't write after him." But at the same time, you can feel what it's doing to John. So mm-hmm. yeah, he was fridged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. As the next category I had was the saddest death, and yeah, Rickon was not on my list. Um, oh, door. <gasps> yeah, that's a yeah. big one. <laughs> I think it's he. She shoots to number one. Um, saddest for sure. Yeah. Because he's known his death <laughs> since he was a boy. He's already lived it, and every time he says Hodor. Yeah. Oh, man, that sequence just succeeds on every single level because it is a heroic death for a character we love. It is... um, it was well well presented in terms of an exciting sequence and well shot and well performed. Just the scene was well executed. Um, But... And it was dramatic for the other characters as well in the sense that they're all having to escape this place that had seemed like a safe haven, even though I have some quibbles with that that are unrelated <laughs> to Odor State specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, what, uh, but also just the additional sort of intellectual excitement of what it represents in the idea that Bran can influence what he sees but only in making the things that already happened happen. Yeah. So he can't like make new whatever it is that he changes will have always been what happened. There'll be grandfather paradoxes. And that's and that's exciting from a storytelling perspective because who knows what else might turn out to have happened the way it did because of Brand's intervention. I, I hope that there's more stuff because it's a really exciting story possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I mean, just, just like I can think of half a dozen examples that would be cool just off the top of my head. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, just everything about that was great. The one quibble that I was going to mention was just the idea of Bran has his little ill-advised walkabout where he lets the Night King touch him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that breaks the spell. Fine, whatever. I, you know, it's yeah. it's it's you know, fantasy magic that does whatever they want it to do. So that's fine. But then they don't hustle their way out right away. No, they go and proceed to have another past vision that doesn't really seem to be connected to anything. And there's yeah. no sense of urgency to it. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, they can get in. We have to get out of here. But first, let's go walk around the stable some more and yeah. talk about idle things. Yeah. yeah, if if it really was something where we could see that Bran's power was increasing and that he had learned something from that, mm-hmm. not just the next step of the story because we were going to get the last bit of it later. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Like I could you know, he says, 
oh, but first let's do this. I have to get you trained or whatever, he said. Mm-hmm. I could see that. But then what they showed us, well, what was the point? Well, see, now what I could imagine the explanation being is that the Three-Eyed Raven knew what he was going to have to do to get out, and so it was just going ahead and taking him to where he would be able to do it. Yeah, but maybe. If, the, if that's the explanation, though, the show did not give it to us. We, no. We have to read between the lines to get that because the show does not tell us that. Yeah. And I'm not spending too much time on that stuff because they're not spending the time on it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's that, so, like... Uh, that's that's my take overall on this season is that we have traded some of the tightness and precision of the writing and the world building and exchanged it for spectacle. And, you know, that's not necessarily a terrible trade. The spectacle is very exciting, but a lot of the other writing has gotten noticeably sloppier as a result. It's, it's interesting because... Um it really goes to show how much of the adaptation was resting on George's writing. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, there's there's a drastic difference between yeah. this season and previous seasons. Although, we will get to how we rated things later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is among the higher rated seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. It's it's exciting, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what was the category was the uh, I forget now, the status that is that so Hodor so who who's all the one that died outside of Hodor so I mean, know, we already discussed Marjorie a bit and that was for me one of yeah. the saddest for sure like every reason yeah. stated um, um, I thought yeah, one so of every- Nutty's would be one one oh one yeah one one was pretty sad. But um, at least, at least he he had a good death, and he yeah. fought to the end. He made an impact. But yeah, oh, one one. <laughs> I, I I will. I I was sad by that too. And I'm not. This is not even really a cr- complaint. But I I will say that uh, how he died right there at the end, deciding to give Ramsey one last arrow to shoot right into one one's eye, felt a little bit like gilding the lily, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, so I, I'll nitpick that at the same time that it didn't bother me too much mm-hmm. in context. Um, yeah, that one one was really sad. Uh, Tommen, maybe. I mean, that one was. Yeah, that was, was sad. It's yeah. yeah, it's complicated because I don't know. I was frustrated with Tommen this whole season, especially because early in the season, there's this whole bit where he makes it sound like. I'm sorry, Mom, that I wasn't listening to you. Please tell me how to be strong. And then he proceeds to go and start doing everything the High Sparrow says, which is like the exact opposite of what Cersei would have ever told him to do. Yeah. And it just felt like they didn't... He Like, he was another character that, like, he's a sweet kid who wants to do the right thing. And then that's just all there is to his character. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have him weave one way or another, depending on what's going on around him. Um, I had that under my he, disappointments, his yeah. turbo slide to the dark side for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I have a big sad death and that will be fat Walda and the wee mm-hmm. Bolton. That was, yeah. that was pretty heartbreaking. I wasn't as sad by that as much as just I, I I was kind of disappointed with that happening just because I I was I'm definitely 
of the feeling that like I by the time that happened in the story, I was so over watching more of Ramsey just be cruel with apparently no consequences whatsoever. Yeah. See, that's another example where we made a big deal after that episode of like, but that's one of the phrase. And yeah. you know, like it was a whole big deal that she was going to be the wife to the warden of the North, and now he's just murdered her in a way that he won't be able to blame on poisoning, and won't that be a thing? And turns out, no, nobody cares. No. Nobody, mm-hmm. and Because Walder gets killed himself. Yeah. And Which so, was a satisfying death. That yeah okay yeah definitely <laughs> right. um, which is the next so, one the happiest death to viewers oh yeah <laughs> well I think I give I give Ramsey I was happy Ramsey. to have Ramsey dead than yeah. uh, like Walder yeah but yeah. Ramsey more so Ramsey Walder High Sparrow am I missing anyone Wave. oh everybody that got burned up by dragons that's always satisfying <laughs> yeah uh, I had the wave on the list. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. Although she was another character that they never really established what her deal was. Yeah. Cuz cuz her whole attitude of acting like she's jealous of Arya just it was just this really sticking out like a sore thumb example of how the faceless men's philosophy is kind of a full of crap cuz supposed to be no one and be leaving behind all of those personal feelings and yet here's the one training her who doesn't act like that at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um so that's uh, yeah, so that was just another character. Like she was she was cool and she obviously got some very awesome Terminator moments near the end. Um but uh yeah. So in terms of sad though, I mean Hodor by a mile. Yeah. Uh, but happy happy deaths Ramsey, especially just because, first of all, I would have been, I don't know that I would have been happier. if I, I would have been happier to have been spared a season and a half worth of him just being awful. Um, yeah, and that's not the actor's fault. It's right. just like yeah. the, the show writer's unable to think of anything for him to do except be cruel to people with no consequences. And um, But the not just finally being rid of him, but also coming up with a specific way for him to go out that, first of all, they gave it to Sansa instead of to John, which was nice because I was worried they were going to do that because I was thinking yeah. they're, they're, make, they're, they're playing up this big personal thing between John and Ramsey, but they've, like, they've hardly even ever met each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, I, you know, so I, I was glad to give it to Sansa. Um, but then also just to have it really be kind of poetic in the sense that it's, you know, it is finally his own cruelty coming back to bite him literally because his desire to starve his dogs so that he'll be, they'll be meaner is why they finally turned on him. And like that, yeah. It was really fitting, and it kind of, it kind of blew my way, blew my mind how how fitting it was right when that happened. So that's yeah, that's my favorite death for sure. <laughs> yep. How about the uh, the best death? I guess most honorable, which I think also goes to mm-hmm. Lord because I mean that was his yeah thing, yep. you know. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, I don't know. I thought leaf came to mind because it was a self sacrifice mm. and stopped all that and possibly mm. that's the end of the children i mean 
that's yeah they, an that's another one where they kind of yeah they kind of uh that's another one where they just sort of play around with it Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I just realized in terms of other deaths we could talk about in terms of death characters we're glad to see go is, you know, Thorn and um, Ollie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ollie, is, Ollie is kind of a fascinating example of a character where he started out being portrayed as only sympathetic and literally got to the point where his last stage direction was just look like you just want to spit in his face. Oh, I guess that was technically the second to last one. The last one was like, do this. Um, But yeah, so, but it was interesting that just John's relationship with him was always a little bit fraught because even when John wanted to think that Ollie was a good kid and on his side, he was also the one that killed a grit. So, yeah. Even like, even just like, it's hard to hate him for that too much because he thought he was helping, but, uh. mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I I loved Thorn going out though, just because his final message both felt perfectly in character. And also just really highlighted the trouble that John was in now, which yeah. is to say, look, you know, I made a call. I feel like it was the right one. I lost. There's nothing I can do about that now. So I'm going to be resting. You're going to have to be fighting their battles forever. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> that is not what John wanted to hear right then. Yeah. Um and and so I thought that was a like a good exit for a character that we've really been kind of uh, loving to hate in a way since uh, since uh, episode two I think yeah, of the yeah. series. I can always see why he was doing what he was doing. You know, he was always mm-hmm. so honorable and what yeah, like doing. well, he was kind of a jerk. Yeah, but it, it, he was kind of Snape-like in a way, mm-hmm. in the sense, like he's a jerk and we don't like him. But in the long run, in the big picture, he does seem to have his priorities in the right places. Mm-hmm. You know, it it doesn't make him nice. It doesn't mean you like him, but you can fight by his side up until the point where he stabs you. That is, <laughs> that's kind of yeah. the line in the snow, so to speak. <laughs> snow. <laughs> Ideally, the line would have been before that, but right. you know, it's like, okay, well, let's figure that out before anyone gets stabbed. All right. <clears throat> the last yeah. category yeah. I had was was the last death um, thing, which we already talked about a little bit. Was the worst death, or like who really got punked? Um, mm. uh, Blackfish off like, screen, like the cheapest death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Prince Doran was the first that came to my thought. In my yeah. Opinion. Yeah. I was trying to remember if that happened this season or last. Yeah, it was the first episode. Um, I actually am not even going to give it to him as much as to uh, Aero Hota, who is his Mm -hmm. bodyguard. Right. Like, Doran is physically frail. He's sick. Someone could stab him. But that's why he has a super badass bodyguard who (laughs) also goes down like a chump. Yeah. And that's uh that one, especially like, you know, we don't need to go too far into the books, but 
Hota is certified badass in the yeah, book. He is, he is the farthest s- thing from a chump. He is super tough and smart, and he is just basically like because there's no way for it to happen now in the show, it's probably, it's not really a spoiler to just say that there's a point where we have a couple of characters who have gone to great lengths in order to lead him astray so that they can do something without his knowledge, and they they do this whole elaborate plan just to get around him, only to have him literally waiting for them when they show up at this <laughs> rendezvous point, yeah. just shaking his head like, you really thought no. you were going to play me? Yeah. You really yeah. thought that was going to happen? Yeah, so, like, he is he is super tough in the books, and just, and, like, he was pretty and not just drunk. little he's we smart. saw of him before, yeah. yeah. And he's he's the captain of Prince Duran's guards. He is, you know, he's he's tough. He was the uh, Barristan Selmy of Dorne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, that one was a little bit like, they just basically shiv him in the back and that's it. The fact yeah. that a whole country's coup is just four people basically strolling through a garden. Well, and- yeah, like rewatching it, I get the I they I feel like they hit harder the idea that they're what they're trying to say is the people have been frustrated with Duran's refusal to go to war for a long time. And he's been the one dragging his feet, and because he never leaves the palace, he is unaware how out of touch he is. Yeah. And that's the reason that they can get away with it when it seems like it's just them. But the the fact is that it's really not just them. It's it's been everybody, and they're just the ones to finally pull the trigger, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, that's it's something where we have to read that between the lines because the show doesn't tell us or show yeah. us. Yeah. And I roll my eyes at that because of all the, you know, like in the books, yeah, he's not fully sequestered behind walls because the water gardens are open to the entire public. Well, it's, it's not; it's all family. different. Yeah, yeah. like the whole, that whole storyline is completely yeah. different. And 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 when you know, it's like, oh well, the people they want to go to what? What people want to go to war? Like, we haven't folk, even met really. any of those. In, in <laughs> yeah, so like. It's like War is decided by rich men, right? Mm. And it's never the small people, the small, and I say small because that's how it's worded in the books. You know, it's they're called the small folk. I'm not saying that. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Uh. The commoners, the small folk, whatever, they never want to go to war. It's the rich guys that decide who goes to war. So you're not going to have a bunch of people saying, you know, we really should leave our home and go pick a fight. With these other people yeah. that have been basically ignoring us for the last generation. <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean, I think that there's an element of because, like, remember the whole reason that they they would be mad is because our princess got to go and marry the crown prince, and she was killed horribly. And the people who did it are now still in charge. And they just killed our prince. Yeah. yeah. Although, I again, that, like, I, again I, Oberyn, as much as I love Oberyn, he did it to himself. There is no, <laughs> like, I, they... Yeah, I'm, but they weren't there. They didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. So well, I could, did, though. Yes. I could concede this. I could concede that the high-class people mm-hmm. are with Alaria, and that the 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 noblemen 
think it's time to go to war and are upset. Yeah. I don't see it as the people. And so maybe when she's talking about the people, she's talking about, according to her, the higher class, the rich well, people, the people that matter. The people who are powerful yeah. enough to make any kind yeah. of decisions at all. So usually I hear the, this is my, the American in me, I hear the people and I think everyone. Hmm. Silly me. <laughs> How xenophobic. <laughs> or xenocentric, rather. Right. <laughs> Xenocentric. <laughs> I don't think xenocentric can be a thing. It's kind of self-contradictory, isn't it? Uh, maybe nationalistic. Nationalistic works. That's a better <laughs> word. <laughs> so, um, Chuch, you were done yeah. with your categories. The uh, last one was was uh, who do we feel which character had the most growth? Mm. Who had the most significant changes or arc? I'm going to give that to Cersei because she, for a long time, hid everything she did behind the idea that she was doing it for her children. Mm-hmm. And this season, she finally broke that tie. Like, even though she didn't expect Tommen to kill himself, she had to know in her heart that she was not blowing up the Sept of Baelor for him. Yeah. So she finally cut that tie and decided to do stuff for her. Well, when she says, um, sees the body and, oh, put the, burn it and put the ashes on the sept. Yep. Yeah. Like, I still feel like that didn't didn't strike me as dismissive in the way, I guess, that some people have read it. But um, at the same time, that it is also not distraught. It is more yeah. like resigned, I think. She's kind of piling That's him in with agreed. everybody else, yeah. literally. <laughs> You know? Well, yeah, but I, I feel like it's not like throwing him away. It is actually doing your best to bury him with his family mm-hmm. the other and the other people ah. she cared about. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's oh. where Tywin and Marcella and Joffrey and, you know, and her mother, that's where they were all buried. So yeah. yep, that's where. Um, so that's how I read that element of it. But yeah, just in the sense of, Finally, even in her own mind and her own heart, moving past this excuse that her behavior was for the good of her children when it was really always all for her. And so as far as, you know, it's not positive growth, but uh, yeah, yeah, self-actualization, yeah. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Doesn't have to be positive. <laughs> I feel like many of the characters finished their growth or definitely took a big turn and some of them like flipped. <laughs> for mm-hmm. instance, um, I think John flipped quite a bit. The whole dying and coming back thing, uh, that yeah. does a lot to change you. Um, I think Arya, you know, doing her Batman thing was a big deal. I think Danieris has finally figured out her path. And, and she's, you know, all of these things are like seasons in the making. Although John, I think, is just kind of a wow. What I thought mattered doesn't anymore because well, once you die. <laughs> yeah, he kind of had the table swept from yeah. under him. You know, it's like he he had accomplished a lot of growth, but I think you know this is what we talked about in the yeah. last season was that he accomplished an awful lot in some very meaningful areas while still. Ex- Excluding almost completely any element of reading the room <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, being aware of the thoughts and feelings of the men that are supposedly following your orders. 
Mm-hmm. And the idea that just because you think something is the right thing to do, if you can't get people to support you and agree with what you're doing, then you get stabbed in the back is what happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, if his father had um, learned that lesson, well, we'd be doing an entirely different show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely... Like, so what happened with him is that he had achieved a lot of growth, but was kind of in a spot where he was stagnating because he was just trying to push forward with one agenda, an admirable agenda to be sure, but because he was ignoring critical elements of this whole thing, and I mean, we, I think we can make some excuses for him. He's pretty young to be in a position of that much yeah. responsibility. Um but by being killed, that just pretty much just swept all of those other things off the table. And so now that he's trying to pick up all of these papers and things that he cares about, he's just finding, like, do I really need this? Maybe not. I don't know. What's, what about this? Oh, I haven't seen this in a while. You know, so, like, he's having to reassess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great analogy. <laughs> I was really pleased with it myself. I didn't even – it, it, it came to me as I was saying it. So, um, but, yeah, um, and then, like, Sansa – is kind of continuing, like she got stuck with Ramsey in a way that really hamstrung the growth that she had been experiencing up to that point. Mm -hmm. Now that she has escaped from him, she is able to resume that growth, but she had a season worth where it was, she was chained up and unable to grow. Now I'm thinking about the dragons and how (laughs) if you chain them up, they will, they'll stop eating. Um, Drogon had the most growth of all the dragons <laughs> there because he wasn't chained up. Yeah. <laughs> literal growth. <laughs> well, now, if we're going for literal growth, um, Bran, uh, I think he's still the one growing the fastest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm, I feel like as a character, Bran still hasn't grown very much. He's yeah. dealing with too much heady stuff to really be growing from a personality standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's too much in intellectual stuff. Um, Jamie's still doing some growing, although he's he's kind of growing in several different directions at once, and it's not clear where he's going to end up. Because yep. he's kind of not moving in a single clear direction. Um, trying to think who else... Um, who else really had uh, any, like, significant uh, growth to him? Um, I think Theon did a pretty good job starting to figure out, okay, well, now mm-hmm. that he has gotten out from under Ramsey, who is he now? What's he going to do? What's his new deal? Yeah. And he's, he was and that's going to take some time. But, but yeah. uh, you know, by the end of the season, he's in a very different place than he is at the beginning. Uh, and sh- that's, that's another is pretty thing. significant. Where, oh. where, how does Theon find his strength again? Through his sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're supporting his sister, so that's another sibling bond. Uh, yeah, that, that just runs through all of this. Oh, that just made me think again of the happy scene between Yara and Danny. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's just so great. That just makes me happy. That exchange. So, uh, anyway. I wanted to add a category, and yeah. that brings it up. Uh, I wanted to add, uh, what were your favorite shipping moments? <laughs> <laughs> I see why you uh, thought that that was the right time to bring that yeah. up. Um, Big for mm, me, Tormund and Brienne. Yes, Brienne. Tormund oh, trying yeah. to woo Brienne. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. I need more That's of that. That's great. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I think Tormund would be good for Brienne in a way that, like, mm-hmm. like we can understand what would be there for Brienne and Jamie, but he's got too much baggage that, like, on the one hand, you could see how, like, they would complement each other's baggage in a way, but ultimately, as far as looking for something healthier, Tormund would be good for Brienne, I think. So shall we name this one the Tor- the Brienne Giantsbane? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Bre- Tormund and Brienne. Huh? Bremond. Bremond. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tormund and Brienne have uh, replaced my Jamie and Brienne. Mm, yeah. Um, and the actor playing him just sells it. Absolutely <laughs> sells it. I, yeah, I love just that the chemistry so far is that they're just kind of flummoxed by each other. Right. And no. he's googly eyes and she's repulsed by him and Gwendolyn Christie's face acting is also amazing. Yeah. And I just want more of that. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember which season it was, but I, I'll reiterate my, my bestest mm-hmm. hope is that he gets more and more ridiculous peacocking for her. Yeah. I want yeah. to see him bare-chested <laughs> glistening in the sun and chopping wood and <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> even though we've only got the teeniest hint of it, and it's unlikely that they'll really ever do a relationship, but just, you know, as we, we started there, but just that one exchange <laughs> between Danny and Yar, it's like, oh, and I suppose mm-hmm. you'd be expecting marriage, too. It's like, well, I wasn't going to demand it, but I'm up for anything, really. <laughs> I love yeah. that. It's like, oh, that was so great. That was awesome. Um, my favorite anti-ship moment, because that's probably not its own category, is Daenerys finally dumping Dario. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. hated Dario for so long. Although I knew Dario was better than old Dario. I'll give him that. And show Dario, especially with, um, what's his name? Cal from Morphin Black playing him. I get more than book Dario. Book mm. Dario disgusts me. And it's yeah. exactly what a 14 year old would want. Um, I don't know why, but fourteen year olds make poor choices. <laughs> I feel like it's it always read to me not as what a fourteen year old would want, but what a sixty uh, year old man would want. A fourteen year old. See, that's what I thought until I had a niece who was fourteen going after guys like that, and I'm like, what? What are you doing? No, that's disgusting. Why do you? Why? Why? And thankfully, well, I she's in I her twenties and getting over it. <laughs> it's, it's the confidence, is what it yeah. is, right? Because Dario is nothing if not confident. Yes. yes. And he, he's got that in spades, but he's just icky. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> he just like he he's um, figuratively greasy, right. like not in any <laughs> like actual skin sense, but just in the feeling that you sort of. You you end up tainted by spending time with him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um so yeah, I was very happy about that. Um I I will also add shipping and it's um broad or pawn. Um, <laughs> brawn and pod, uh but that's that's you know, bro oh. shipping. Yeah. That's yeah, bro, bro, bro shipping. Bro okay, shipping. yeah, I'll get yeah. that. I'll give you that. I, I like I like those two together. Yeah. Um yeah, as as buddies though. I don't, oh yeah, I don't, as I don't see the romance there. Um, hmm. Just occurred to me that we got a fair amount of Grey Worm and Miss Sandy this season, but not together. They yeah. seem to have dropped that romantic plot line altogether this season. I don't think so. I think I think they're just in a comfortable 
relationship because there is that scene where Tyrion says, what do you two talk about when you're together? And the way that he insinuates it, it's, you know, he's talking to a couple that speak to each other often. And Hmm. I see. I didn't interpret it that way, but you may be right. Um, I interpreted I it from Tyrion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe you're right. I, I guess just didn't uh, think you know. About it. <laughs> I just feel like I don't think they ever. I don't think we ever got a moment of them sort of definitively deciding that they're a couple. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what we saw was awkward, really uncomfortable kind of flirting, and maybe getting a little bit encouraged. But that's kind of where we left it. I don't. We didn't ever get like. A I think they're as far of a couple as they're ever going to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also true that it's just like all of their all of their scenes this season were just really more about what are we doing with Marine. Yeah. And and so we got some great stuff from them uh, this season. Uh, the whole bit with uh, Tyrion's uh, trying to get them to tell jokes. Mm. Scene. That um, was a good scene. Miss Sandy <laughs> discovering she actually does kind of like the wine. Right. Um, yeah, there's some great stuff for uh, for them. Uh, and I was actually just today um, thinking about um, um, what do you talk about? Patrol. What do we see on patrol? Will we capture on patrol? The next patrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Notice it's a very one-sided thing. They talk about patrol, but they never talk about Miss Sandy's job, you know? <laughs> oh, what dignitaries did you talk to today? Did you speak any new languages? No, nah, there's none of that. I have totally lost track what our, our uh, category was. Uh, well, we were sh- uh, shipping. Oh, we were shipping, shipping, shipping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brienne and Tormund, for sure. Um, uh, Daenerys and, and uh, Yara, although, like... Honestly, I don't really want Daenerys to end up with someone romantically. I, I just don't feel like that's right for her character at this point. I, I want Daenerys to enjoy people as she wants to enjoy them, mm-hmm. but never have to make a commitment. Yeah, that's that's I, I, I concur. Um, uh, I continue to love Sam and Gilly, even though they're an existing couple and don't really yes, need to be shit. No, shipped. they totally right. count um, yeah. because they're, you know... Well, I just mean we definitely. don't need to ship them because they're already in a relationship, you know. like. But they're continuing to be yes, in a relationship. We can continue yeah. to enjoy them together. Um, uh, and even though we're kind of left with no answer at all about what Gilly's going to do in Old Town... Um, Having, I, I'm excited about the story possibilities of their adventures there and with the Citadel, and yep. it, that just reminds me of how much I loved the clerk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is regular. <laughs> just thinking about him makes me laugh. Hmm, I have it that it's Jor- that it's um Lord Mormont. Yeah, yeah he, he he's gone. Okay, line. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there there was definitely lots of great stuff in this season. Yeah. It just uh it got bigger and looser mm. compared to previous seasons. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And you know, like uh, you know, I'm not sure I necessarily would have chosen that trade. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, especially just because I would hope that what we get in the remaining two seasons, and hopefully this is going to be helped by them deliberately making those two seasons shorter, 
is less of the storylines where they're having to pump the brakes in order to keep everything in sync yeah. and more of the rocketing ahead with plot because that was those were the more exciting bits this season and less so the parts where they're just having to kill time so that everything doesn't happen at once. Mm-hmm. And, and less of the storylines that don't go anywhere and don't matter and just get wiped yeah. out. Now, like, again, with Marjorie, it's like, on the one hand, if they just really didn't give her anything to do, we'd be suspicious, right? Like, it was kind of like saying Rickon was obviously doomed because what else are you going to even do with this character? So they wanted to make it seem like Marjorie had something, but what they made was something that was enticing in the moment but unsatisfying afterwards, as opposed to something which may have been more pedestrian in the moment, but then pays off. Mm-hmm. But th- th- that's not the only thing, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of stuff in Dorne. They, there's yeah. a bunch of times that they do stuff, and you're, and, and as we oh, talked yeah. about, we, we try and pick everything apart, and then we, in the end, it's that really didn't matter. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, for sure. If we only have, you know, six, uh, six to eight episodes a season, I want each episode and each storyline to count. Agreed. And so I'm, you know, here's hoping, and I think we're all on the same page, that they have used this season to get all the pieces on the board where they want them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To just kind of let everybody actually move through their story now for the remaining two seasons, as opposed to we have to come up with something for Arya to do for seven more episodes before we're ready for her to come over and join them over here. So that's what we want to avoid. Yeah. yeah. So do we want to uh, learn how we rated everything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I actually have a couple of things. I have our scores. I have the Rotten Tomato scores. And I have the overall uh, TV ratings. Um, oh. So our number one episode, our highest rated episode is Book of the Stranger, and that was episode four. Oh, interesting. Yes, and uh, you all gave it a 10 out of 10. I gave it a 9 out of 10. So that gave us a 9.8. I can't. Interesting. I'm just trying to remember specifics of what happened in that one, why that one would have been so high. Uh, Sansa Brienne and Podrick arrive at Castle Black as the former Uh, reunited with Jon Snow. Yeah, Ocean that was it. Yeah, the reunited with John and the uh, Brienne swearing yourself to that, I think that's what would have done it, put it over for me. Oh, and uh, Daenerys burns down the temple. Oh, well, there you go. It's like two of my favorite moments in the whole season are both in that episode, so that makes sense. So there you go. And um, our least favorite was no one. That like seven or eight or something? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, episode eight, and Toman decrees by that trial by combat will be abolished. Um, yeah, that one was the that episode was full of just we're not ready for the season to be over yet, so let's just have everybody turn in circles for an hour. Yeah, there's the river run thing, so we get the disappointing yeah. blackfish thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Varys leaves Marine on an unknown mission. Uh, Marine comes under attack. Um, Sandra kills the outlaws who sacked his village. That was probably the, like, mm-hmm. the best part of it. Yeah. Um, certainly very happy to have 
Hound not be dead. Uh, book readers suspected that he wasn't because there were clues, but you know, it was yeah. a, another one of those things where we're pretty sure, but it's nice to have it confirmed. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the theater stuff. Lady Crane dies and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. So you know, makes yeah. sense. Well, because that was like other than the theater part of it, just like that was right in the heart of the stuff with Arya and the Waif that just just made no sense. Like it was stuff designed to make you gasp in the moment, but then just doesn't actually make any sense once you understand what's happening. Yeah. So the um the next two high rated highest rated episodes are Winds of Winter, which is the last episode, and mm-hmm. Home, which is the second episode. Um, so that, that's, that's basically it. And, um, almost everything got, uh, an eight or above except for, as a cumulative score, except for, uh, Oathbreaker, which was 7.8. So that's close enough. (laughs) Um, this, uh, is not the top rated season. Uh, it's got an 8.7 overall, but... Season 2 and Season 4 were 8.9, so it's very close. It is the uh, third highest rated season. We do not have ratings for Season 1 because we didn't rate back then. (laughs) Uh, The interesting thing is that we do not match up completely with Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Rotten Tomatoes does agree that Episode 8 is uh, the worst episode. And... um, but they liked episode, uh, they gave 10 out of 10 for episode 4, 5, and 10. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, it's not completely off. It's just a mm-hmm. little bit different. They liked certain things more than we did. Yeah. Uh, and then the ratings for the season um, are the best ratings that it, Game of Thrones have ever had. Uh, the last episode got an 8.89 share. Mm-hmm. So that's out of millions. So that's, you know almost 9 million people tuned in. For a premium uh, cable channel, that is... That's really high. That's insane, yeah, that's yeah. really high. Very impressive for a network channel, you know? Yeah. Um, These days, and, yeah. yeah, and uh, uh, this season overall got a 7.69 share. Uh, to give you an idea, season one got uh, 2.52, season two got 3.8, season... Three got four point nine. Season four, so it's steadily increasing, and then season mm-hmm. four and five are in the six point eight range, and then it jumps up again. So this was the most successful season to mm-hmm. date for HBO. I believe it. I mean, it kind of makes sense from a perspective of a show like this that has does so well at like whenever it is that you get into it, it's such a phenomenon that you want to be caught up. So what you get every season grows because you have not only the people who were on it the previous season, right. but also all the people who have come onto the show and started watching it since then and are now want to be caught up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, like, well, yes, people left. Not that many people left. You know, not enough to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And um, the season finale got... Over a million illegal downloads in the first eight hours. <laughs> wow. Game of Thrones has always been one of the higher, highest illegally downloaded uh, shows. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's 
Well, that that makes more sense from a premium cable channel. You yeah. know, what I mean, it's like it's the it just because there's going to be that there there is always that percentage of the population that just feels like they shouldn't have to pay for anything. So yep, mm-hmm. and and parts of the population that can't access it. You know, yeah. I do think that there are some people that. Um, you know, they, they just don't care and they're, they're not going to pay. Yeah. Um, I do think that there are, especially outside of America, a lot of people that can't actually get access to HBO yeah. without a lot more. Like, for instance, in Canada, if I wanted to get HBO, mm-hmm. I'd have to actually get cable. I'd have to get all of those other things. Um, and Yeah, I'm I'm certainly more sympathetic in those sorts of cases, but I think it's also true that you know, people are not entitled to just watch any show as a current run just because they want to. And I I know so many people were like, well, I'm going to buy the DVD, so it's totally okay that I download it now. Well, kind of that's not how it works, but also, are you really? (laughs) Yeah. If if that were the case, then you'd pre-order your DVD and pay for it ahead of time now, wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. But um, I do think that with each year, they are making it easier and easier. I mean, now they have the HBO Now apps, and I believe you can buy them from iTunes within the week of it airing. So the, the reasons for downloading are getting less yeah. and less. Well, I think that it's it's in HBO's interest to make it as easy as possible for anyone who wants to to buy yeah. it and watch it legally. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That's what will reduce piracy. Yes. Um, because there are enough people who are motivated um, that they're going to find workarounds to almost any kind of copy protection that you have. But I think that there are an awful lot of people who habitually pirate stuff that would pay for it if you made it easy enough. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's and there will be people that will pirate it anyway. Yeah, they don't even care. There are people that will pirate things that never even watch them, you know? Yeah, yeah that's I I on the one hand I I you know, my first reaction is to say, I just don't understand that and then I think of my Steam backlog where I buy games because they're on a Steam sale <laughs> and I don't have time to play any of them and I'm like I guess it is actually kind of the same thing, except that I'm paying money for it. Yeah. So right. there's that. <laughs> But otherwise, the idea of getting some, obtaining something that you don't actually have time to watch. Some people, it's the principle that they want to keep, keep, you know, do their part for BitTorrent and keep those seeds going, right? They're doing a service to the community. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Remember when that used to be an excuse that um, a legal loophole was that you're making an archive for the manufacturer in case like nuclear wars. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll thank you for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is not like the film getting reused by the BBC and somebody's <laughs> taking it home with them because they didn't want Monty Python to get erased. Okay, right. you are not doing a service. <laughs> oh, uh, just as a brief tangent, because I'm telling everybody, CISO is totally worth four dollars a month. Yeah. Yes, any anyone who's at all interested, like. If you've never heard of it, basically it's just one of these online streaming things where, you know, you pay $4 a month, but they've just got a ton of stuff on there. Um, originals, many of them are great, uh, and I really love it. Um, uh, but then they also have, like, the entire run of Monty Python, including the movies and the show and the specials. 
and uh, Kids in the Hall, uh, Faulty Towers, got tons of classic stuff, and it's like, I, I in my opinion, it is totally worth $4 a month, and I, oh. so I'm kind of telling people because... I've like, never heard of CISO, so... Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it works in Canada, because it's one of those things, yeah. right? But no, uh, okay. I have all the kids on the hall right on cbc.ca. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> we made it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, did, they have some more great show original shows. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, Harmon Quest is Dan Harmon, who did, you know, Community and Rick and Morty, and it's basically uh, him and some of his buddies and special guests playing D&D on stage, but it's not just them on stage, it's intercut with an animated cartoon version of the adventure they're having. And it's fantastic. Awesome. And oh, this is the uh, Just Built for Comedy yes. one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I have heard yeah. about this. Tons of great stuff on there. So, like, that's not Game of Thrones related, but we're talking about streaming online content, yeah. and it's, like, Seriously, check it out. You can get a, f- a free month, and then a bun- some a lot of their originals. You can watch the first episode on YouTube for free. I think it's really worth it. I've already watched probably twenty five hours worth of stuff off of it <laughs> just in the and last it, couple it's, months. It's owned by NBC. Is it? I didn't even know that, but okay. It says according to the quick Google search, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know is is law, right? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> That's how that works. Yeah. I wanted to go into the uh, the drawing, unless anybody had any other show-related things, content-related oh, things. It. So, you know, we had these, uh, well, we call it a contest, but, I, well, I guess it is a contest. So, anyways, yeah. <laughs> sharing, liking, getting involved, social media, commenting on the live streams. Out of all of that, we have tabulated the hundreds of likes, retweets, and shares and emails and live show participants and i fed them into random.org uh that's another site people are interested in numbers or security or encryption highly recommend you check out that site it's got some true randomness can be really fascinating there's a lot of interesting papers on what it means what it means for us (laughs) after all that the winner of a 50 dollars gift card was Kyrie. uh must be a Greek name. Kyrie Patrianakos. P-A-T-R-I-A-N-A-K-O-S. Um, whose uh, Facebook comment had gotten flagged as the winner. So if you send an Yay! email. Yeah, congratulations. If you send an email <laughs> to btw at specficmedia.com, let us know if you'd prefer Amazon or iTunes. We'll get that all, all fixed up and get you set up. Um, yeah. Honorable mentions. Uh, our our biggest uh, interactor was Jennifer Fuss um, or Taylor would do the Q&As, claiming a full 24% yeah. of all entries. Nice. Wow. Um, Tibby was in second with 7%. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> That's Jennifer was with pretty impressive. And as a geek on the social networks, Facebook accounted for 49% of all interactions, far distancing the native Google platform of 9%, which we will not yeah. be a native Google next season. They're shutting down Hangouts on Air. This will be our last Hangout on Air. <sighs> Sigh. So, uh, before we get on to that, uh, mm-hmm. just a quick question. 
you happen to know uh, how many of the entries were from iTunes, which we gave extra points? All right. So we actually only ended up with three iTunes reviews, but they got five each. So that was so 15 that entries. Was 15 yeah. entries, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, we, well, actually, I take that back. So we had three reviews where people had, you know, put in their text. Yeah. We got a bunch more ratings, but I have no idea or no way to see who rated. Yeah. Yeah. The ratings, <laughs> the ratings, you can't count. Mm-hmm. And we said that it was for reviews, not ratings. So, um, so yeah. So Google Hangouts is going away as of September. Um, they are introducing something called YouTube Live. Uh, I believe what we had said is uh, in the hiatus, we are going to experiment and figure out what works best. Um, if we lose the ability to do the live interaction, that's going to be a bit of a problem for us because we really enjoyed having that live feedback. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll see how, how this affects us. We'd like to continue to remain live uh, with some sort of chat ability. If mm-hmm. that ends up being that you're going to have to use Twitter to talk to us or something, we will let you know. But please stay tuned to the pages that you already follow us on or go to specfecmedia.com uh, and we will keep you updated on that. Uh, and, and hopefully you can uh, participate in some of our tests and help us decide what is the best avenue for us to pursue. And... Uh, and and we'll get something sorted. But make sure that you keep an eye out for that because things will be changing and you're not going to be able to access us the same way. And my hope is that things are just going to get better. Our video quality is going to get better. Our sound quality is going to get better. And um, you being able to interact will be better because I know for me, I couldn't, you know, if I wanted to view this and participate from a mobile device, that wasn't really possible. So I'm hoping that whatever we are going to move on to is something that mobile users can get involved in because that's really how most people interact with uh, online content these days. Did I miss anything? (laughs) No, that was great. (laughs) Not only did you not miss anything, I don't think, but you covered a lot of things that I didn't even know. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of research. (laughs) I've also been um, checking out the, the other people that are figuring out what they're going to do and and dropping in on a couple of different live interactions so that I can see what it's like as a viewer um, because I really want to make sure that if we continue to do a live stream sort of thing, our viewers have a good experience and will want to continue coming back. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, what's the point of doing it live if it's not fun for the viewer? Right. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we can record it anytime. This is true. This is true. I think that wraps us up. Um, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight and for tuning in the season. Like Nettie said, the interaction has been amazing. It's been fun. And it's such so many great discussions. I think this was a lot of fun. And I look forward to our one-offs coming as soon as (laughs) crazy moving happens. Yeah, after people move. (laughs) And I build a new studio and I'll have a new machine, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bigger Very and better. Exciting. So uh, until next time. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.